Hi, Thirubhan. I'm Stan. Welcome to this session. Thank you for having me here. Thanks for taking the time to share a little bit about uh, your sport, how this, your sport has uh, been a huge part of your life. Yeah. And uh, I hope today uh, it's a chance also for you to maybe look back a little bit yeah. and try and remember some of the things that has made uh, life very interesting for you as an athlete. So maybe what we can do is just start off by having you talk a bit about when did you start the sport, how did you get involved in track and field? Okay. So actually all this while I was, since young I was always a footballer. So football was always my passion, you know, it's why I was always watching on TV. Every day after school I was playing football. But when I actually went to my secondary school, which is National Junior College, they didn't offer football as a CCA. So I had to choose a sports CCA. Because, um, I didn't want to do something that was active, so I was considering a few options, there was basketball, canoeing, but nothing really felt like it suited me. So I actually decided, you know, since my parents used to be track and field athletes, my, my dad was a runner back in Malaysia, so I thought I'd give it a try, and that's really just how I started. So no football, but track and field is in your genes. Yeah. Maybe a bit about what your dad was doing as an athlete back then. So she, what event was he running? So actually my dad was running all kinds of events, like he, he grew up in Ipoh and I think back then they didn't really have a lot of like proper guidance for running so they, my dad maybe didn't have like the best footwear and all that so it's really just a passion thing for him I, think, I know that he went for a few long distance races, he ran a few 400 meter races Yeah. so my dad has always been very active so even after now he's playing all sports, football, dragon boating so yeah I would say that seeing him take part in all these sports actually gave me that own, my own interest into sports when I was younger. So did he suggest track and field actively to you? Yeah, I think, yeah, it was my dad, a bit of my mom as well. So I think they wanted me to be sports, a sports person as well. Yeah, and um, before that, I wouldn't say I had a lot of experience in running, but definitely because in my school, I only started my CCA in the second year. So my first year, I did get a chance you know, to do a bit of running in PE classes, and I actually took part in the school's road run. And I was the first for my level. So that gave me a bit of confidence that you know, I should be back to try out track and field. So this was set one. Set one. When you first realized that, hey, you faster than everybody. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and with that knowledge, you just say, okay, I'll try track and field, or did teachers come help you when you're doing it? Hey, you come here. To be honest, I've, got, I've kind of forgotten which like, party approach which first, but. I think it did help that I performed well in my school's road run. So the teachers saw that and they were like, okay, maybe you have some potential. So they didn't mind letting me try. Because actually, another thing is for my school is track and field is only a girls' CCA for the first four years. So I had to go in under this thing called the talent management scheme in my school. Yeah, so that's how it kind of started. So that was uh, the start of competitive track and field. And not only the start for you, it was also the start for your school. You were Essentially, uh, trailblazing a new program for uh, guys. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. There's just very few guys actually from the A, C, and B divisions actually in track and field. Like, it's mostly just the A division guys. Yeah. And so, talking about C division, uh, what was your experience like as a competitive athlete at that level for you? So, I remember my first race was actually a cross country race at Bedo Reservoir. And yeah, it was a whole new experience for me because never before had I been of a competitive race you know. so I remember I started off quite fast and 
usually when you run races and you see someone start very fast, far off, and I wasn't really from one of the traditional powerhouses, you know, from like not the Pachong, uh, not from RI or SGI. So I think everyone kind of let me go in front because they thought I would just die out. Yeah, so, but to their surprise, I actually kept the pace going all the way. I actually narrowly missed out first, I got second for that race. And if I had known how to pace myself better, maybe I had a better chance of winning. But I just went off way too fast because of the inexperience. And yeah, I Do you still recall the reaction among your peers when you finished second? I think my teammates were all, I think they were probably surprised because I did think that I would do well. I remember asking my teacher uh, before the race, you know, where do you think I would place? And he said that you have a chance maybe to get top 10. Yeah, but I did think I would do this well. And I think later on when I was recounting this race with my friends from other schools who were running that race, they actually told me like, well, we had no idea who you were, like we just thought you were just some random guy, you know, we just that you go, like we didn't bother trying to catch you up because we thought you would die out. Yeah, so yeah, that was what it was. So that's when you first came to prominence among your cohort. So that gave you, I presume, confidence to keep going in the sport. Mm -hmm. How was the transition to B division? Yeah, so actually with this CDF as well, I, it was quite funny that year, my secondary two year, I had like five consecutive races where I finished second. So it was three cross-country races, and then in my national track and field championships, so I got second for both 1,500 and 3,000. And because of that, I actually got selected to run in, for Singapore schools. It's like the school meet between Malaysia, Australia, and Singapore. And I actually got my first gold medal there. So I think that moment especially told me that, wow, you know, I really am enjoying this and it seems like I have quite a lot of potential in it. So when I went into going into B division, I was a lot more focused. I was taking training very seriously, probably more than, you know, my other peers around me. Because, yeah, I don't know, I just, I think my personality is also someone that I'm someone that uh, if I find something that I enjoy, I'm good at, and I'm quite tunnel vision. Like I really dedicate a lot of my efforts towards that. So going to B division, I my second year I actually tried out a different event. So I dropped down the distance to 800 and 1005, but I was focusing on the 1005. Uh, so 800 was just supposed to be a second second event for me, but surprisingly I did quite well in it. So I won the B division in secondary for 800. Before we continue on B division, maybe going back to your first experience yeah. with Singapore schools. So that had been an experience where for the first time you are representing yeah. Singapore. Yeah. If you think back now on that occasion, what comes to mind? I think actually, if I would say one very memorable race, it has to be that. Also because of how it kind of panned out, like the race was supposed to be at night, but there was a lightning alert. So where was this? This is at Bishan Stadium. So there was a lightning alert and we actually thought that it was going to be postponed at one point. So we were warming up and then the lightning alert didn't seem like it was going to stop. And because of, I think the other countries' travel arrangements, they were telling us that there's a chance that we might just cancel the race. So I was so hard because we were thinking, I was not, from thinking like I was not going to race to like there was a last minute call that actually lightning alert is off, like let's run now. And what they did is they actually combined my age category with the higher age category. So the under 14 and under 15 actually ran together so for, it was a bit confusing because did, I, did, I had no clue who was who I was exactly competing against. I don't know who were the older guys, who were the young, like the people my age. So it was just quite funny, like, I remember just going through the first two rounds and then I saw this Australian guy in front of me. Then I just decided, okay, I think, I think he's my age. 
and I think he's in front of me, so I'm just going to try and beat him. So this was a 1500. 1500, yeah. So the pacing was all messed up because I yeah. didn't know who was who in running which yeah. category. Exactly, yeah. So I just decided to follow that guy, and thankfully there was a the right person to follow because he was in front and I was second. So the last 100 meters, I managed to overtake him, and I got gold. So it, even after the race finished, I had no idea where I placed. So we had to wait until the results came out like 30 minutes later. And I saw on the like the paper, the results sheet. Yeah, then because it was really happy because my school actually came down as well. My track team because we don't really have a lot of people who can like who represent Singapore or Singapore schools. So the whole school came down. Even the vice principal came down. Yeah, but I think most of them actually left because they thought the race was going to be postponed. Like it was almost nine, it was close to 10 p.m. already. Yeah. So that was your first ever medal for yeah. Singapore. Yeah. You still keep it? Yeah, definitely. I have all my medals out in my room. Yeah, nicely arranged and everything. Okay. So, going to B Division, uh, of course, the competition steps up. Uh, tell us about those couple of years in B Division. So, my B Division years, uh, definitely competition stepped up. So, I didn't go into it expecting to win everything because I was competing against the SEC 4 athletes, and there were a few. Uh, like athletes from like SGI sports school were quite strong. Yeah, so and then the decision to actually run the eight hundred meters, I remember I was supposed to run a thousand five as steeple chase, but my teacher told me, you know what, we'll be worried that you get injured. So let's just run the eight hundred. But surprisingly that eight hundred meter race was also quite a memorable one. Because the winning margin for me was zero point zero four seconds that I won that race. Yeah. It was a I was really far back at 100 meters left. I think I was like fourth or fifth, but I managed to close the gap and yeah, just just about outdid the the guy in front. So yeah, that was also another one of my more memorable races. Um, so I got first for my 800 and third for my 1005 that year. And you were running as a sec three, sec three. Yeah. Okay. So you outran all the athletes. Yeah, and then I went for that same competition again. The National meet between the Australian Walla and Walla meet. Yeah, so, but this was in KL this time. And again, I got three silvers. I, I was having like a thing with getting silver medals, but I got three silvers for the 800,005 and the 4x4. Yeah, and it was all by very close margins as well. But it was really a good opportunity again to race. And I clocked some good times. So I ran 202 for my 800, which at that time, now when I look back, actually, I'm a bit more impressed at it because I was only 14, like, I didn't turn 15 yet and 202 is actually quite a, I mean, they would place me quite high in the men's ranking. Yeah, I would be, if I ran that this year, I was, I would be one of the top 3 or 4. So, uh, I think I didn't realise back then, like, how promising it was. But now when I look back, yeah. Okay. So for, when you reach B Division, when did the national selectors come knocking on your door? Yeah, so my first time representing the actual national team was in SEC4 because I had qualified for the Asian Junior Championships. I ran a 2 minutes flat timing for my 800, so that actually was within the qualifying, uh, qualifying timing. So that was in Vietnam, so Asian Junior Championships was my first time. Can you recall the call, call up, the selection? What struck you about the whole process? I think I remember just being surprised because I didn't even pay attention to it because Asian Juniors is an under 20 competition. So I didn't think that the qualifying would be like 
expected it to be faster actually. So I think it was just a, a bit of lucky, kind of lucky that perhaps the previous edition, the whoever finished in sixth place was a bit of a slow timing. So I managed to get it. So I was very surprised and very excited also because to be that young and going for such a big meet was quite a huge thing. Yeah. Tell us about that meet. Tell us about the whole experience of representing Singapore now at a higher level. So you've yeah. represented Singapore at the school's level. Yeah. Now you're talking about national team, national youth team. Yeah. I was very surreal because right from the start when you go and let your attire, then instead of saying Singapore schools, it's, it's now the actual Singapore team attire that even the senior athletes wear. So yeah, it was very surreal. And then being there itself, I kind of just like immerse myself in that atmosphere of being like a, like a you know, the, like a kind of a games village kind of feel. You see athletes from other countries, you know, it's not just Malaysia and Australia now, it's all over Asia. And I think they were much bigger than me. So we were going there was just mostly I was thinking I just want to get a good experience out of it on a fast time. Yeah. The heats itself, I yeah, I didn't I mean I didn't expect to qualify for, for the final and I wasn't wasn't close to qualifying either. Like I ran a good time, two minutes flat again. But I was I think I was eight in my heat, so eight out of eight for my heat. It was quite close actually. Yeah, was, I was a, a good battle with with me and eight and seven days. But that whole thing was just very eye-opening. Because I saw at least there were a few years older than me running like very fast times, 152, 151. So that was something that I actually could aim for. So I was thinking that uh, you know for the next Asian juniors, when I come here again, I want to be more competitive. You know, when, I, when I'm 18, I want to really give it a try for a medal. Uh, so it was, a, it was a really good kind of checkpoint for me to see that you know, I'm progressing really well. You know, I actually managed to qualify for the national team. Yeah. So you found going to Vietnam, I would think experience. Yeah. You found it encouraging. You did not go there and feel that no oh no, I'm not gonna do this again. You found it inspiring to yeah. keep going. Yeah, because I knew what my age was relative to everyone else. I was I hadn't even turned yeah, I hadn't even turned sixteen yet, but there were nineteen year olds that I was racing against. So yeah, I was just there to learn and kind of enjoy the experience. Maybe uh, everybody can just talk a little bit about the education pathway that you took while you were starting to explore track and field pursuit. So I was in National Junior College and it was actually part of the six year IP program. So I didn't have to take my old levels, it was a true train straight to A levels. So I think that actually gave me a bit more kind of leeway. So that even in my sec three, sec four years, which may have been very stressful preparing for all levels, but I could actually focus more on my track and field. Yeah. So probably sometimes to my own detriment because I was so focused on my sports that at times I would have to like rush and catch up for before exams and all that. But it definitely gave me a bit of room to you know explore different possibilities that maybe if I had that constraint on all levels I wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. If I can bring you back to even before you got into NJ, okay. do you still recall what were the considerations for choosing NJ IP program? Did it have anything to do with your sport? Or? No, it didn't really have to do much with my sport. But yeah, actually, honestly, I, I feel like it was quite random. But it was probably because my parents would want me to go to a co-ed school. And they were a bit against me going to a single-sex school. So NJ was one of the better, maybe the best uh, co-ed school at the time. So what's the, what's the reason behind I don't know, I guess they just wanted me to learn how to interact with other uh, genders. Yeah, and I actually entered NJ through the, 
academic DSA. So I sat for like the written test, and went for an interview, and did well enough to be selected. So going to NJ and doing the IP program, you were saying that that actually gave you a bit more time to explore track and field and pursue yeah. it a lot more seriously, but sometimes messes up your studies. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what was it like being a student athlete, juggling your sport and study as you headed into second? Maybe look at the first couple of years and then compare it with uh, second, three, second, four. Maybe the first couple of years first. C division and second one and second two. I think C maybe second one and second two. I guess the workload wasn't as much yet. I still found it quite manageable. So I was able to manage my time quite well and I think at the time as well I was a bit I guess at the age you are a bit ignorant to all this. You don't feel too I didn't get too stressed out that easily. So I was really just enjoying what I did. So even in school there was like a lot of homework and anything. It didn't really bother me too much. And also at that time my training was probably about three to four times a week. So not as time intensive. So I did find it too difficult at that point. My grades were still quite okay. Then as you got into um, sec three, sec four. I guess there was a bit more, my training first of all got a bit more, uh, more frequent so I was training up to six times a week and then of course there's a greater load in school so there were times where I found it a bit difficult but I could rely on the fact that I think I unlearned stuff quite quickly so I kind of like gave myself that last two weeks before the exams to catch up everything and I think at that point it was still okay to do that yeah looking back probably that same mindset wouldn't have worked well in, um, for A-levels but at that stage, Sec 3, Sec 4, I think I still kind of got away with it. Yeah, and my school also has this boarding program. So one, one term every year we stay in a boarding school. So just something that I remember uh, quite particularly is, I mean boarding is because always a fun thing. So all my friends would be, it's like an endless sleepover, essentially. You know, you can go over to your friends' rooms, no one's going to tell you to sleep early or anything like that. But for me, I was so focused on my track and field that even though there was my friends just all like next to me, staying next to me, I was like so dead serious about sleeping on time. Like literally like sleeping at like 10 pm and 11 pm, I would it didn't seem like much of a sacrifice to me. Because I was just very focused on doing well for my track. So like my friends would always be inviting me over, but I was just like, no, I can't, I can't have training tomorrow. On on the issue of boarding, you yeah. did that for what, six months of the year? Yeah. No, uh, it was one term, so it's about eight weeks, ten weeks, ten weeks around it. So, what did you find uh, advantages about boarding? You brought it up because of why? Why did you bring up boarding? What was the experience about it? That I brought it up because uh, actually it did teach me a lot of things. Definitely, you have to be more independent. So, like just simple stuff, like taking care of your own laundry, and uh, I guess also not having my family around me all the time. So. Overall, the experience, but it was something fun. Like everyone looked forward to it because you're with your friends, and there were activities at night that you can do. And I think it was tough. Like the first year, I remember I was quite feeling a bit homesick. Yeah, but then as the year goes on, as the remaining other three years, it was just a lot of fun. And I do remember that because of how the boarding schedule worked, after school I had to rush uh, for training outside of school. Then I had to rush back in time for the boarding activities. So I do remember at one point feeling quite stressed because of that. Because it was really quite hectic. Yeah. Because I was training externally at that point from uh, Sec 3 onwards. Yeah. So that commute back and forth 
and I didn't have the time that my friends had to you know perhaps like rest after school before the boarding program started. So I had to ensure that supposedly rest period was me training, and then I would only be able to do my work at the end of all the programs, which is like 9 p.m. plus. And of course, when you factor in being very tired from training, so it, it did get a bit overwhelming at first. But yeah, that I'm thankful for that experience actually. You were describing boarding as an endless sleepover, so yeah. I presume that meant that it was very fun and people want to hang out with you. Yeah. How did you maintain such self-discipline? What, what drove you to keep sleeping early, doing your homework, getting enough rest? Yeah. I Honestly, I'm not even sure myself how I found that, like, that discipline. But I think it's just because of, maybe I saw that success quite early on. And then to me, I kind of had a feel of, you know, this is something that, I mean, it felt good. Smithing always feels good. There's no, there's no other way to say it. Like, it just, and I wanted to succeed more in my sport. And beyond that, I think, um, having found something that I truly was passionate about, and they gave me a lot of, it was kind of like a ego boost also, to find something that you truly felt like you belong, you belong in. Yeah. Because before that, when I was in football, I was, I was good, but I didn't really feel like I was like completely, Maybe I didn't really sort of enjoy the community around me as much as I did for the track and field. So once I found something that I was so invested in, I think naturally it made it easier to commit my time, to be more self-disciplined. Yeah. And then of course there's that, you know, when I went overseas to compete, and then I saw that, you know, if I really train hard, I can, um, I have all the potential to succeed. So it's really up to me at that point, and I realized that, that is, you know, whatever I did now was going to kind of like determine how well I do in the future. So I just took it with that seriousness. To me, you use the phrase up to you. So would it be correct to say that you felt that you could control quite a bit of the elements around how you train, how you study, how you rested? Yeah, I would say so. Because I think it was very it's very easy to just slack off. I didn't have to train that many times a week. Yeah, because there was, it wasn't like anyone was really forcing me to do it. So it was something that I was that I felt I was in control in. I was doing it out of my own accord. Like I didn't feel as though um, it didn't feel like a chore to me. It just felt something that I wanted to do every day. Yeah, it was just like a part of my lifestyle. Being a student yeah. So we use the word ego boost. Mm-hmm. I guess if you want if you look back, how how did that develop you as who you are? Talk a little bit about how you felt as a person at 15, yeah, at 16, doing well in the sport. What did it do to you? Definitely helped my self confidence a lot. I wouldn't say I was someone that was suffering a lot from my low self esteem before that as a, you know, as a younger, younger person. Um, but I probably never felt that something that I truly belonged to. I kind of, like I mentioned earlier, when I was playing a lot of football in primary school, I also had the chance to. Trained with the Junior Sports Academy, but I didn't really enjoy it that much because I enjoy I really love football, but I didn't really enjoy the training as much. So I guess that actually gave me a bit of a bit less. Like kind of made my confidence take a hit a bit because I remember there was this overseas competition I went to in, for football in primary six, but I wasn't really playing very well there. And I think it's also because I wasn't confident enough. Yeah, so football was kind of like here and then. So instantly when I started track and field and. It was suddenly so much more successful in it. And it just naturally, it just felt like something that was meant for me. 
so the more I competed and then the more you kind of uh, you do well and it really does kind of make you feel like you're more capable as a young person. Yeah. Because of course maybe now as I'm much older I may not attach my self-worth so much into the sport. I kind of have other things going around, like going for me. Yeah. You look at yourself now. What do you, what do you see? Who, who are you? Who, who are you then? Describe yourself yeah. to me as a 15 year old. Yeah. I would think I'm, I was just someone full of a lot of energy to just. I had so much energy to train and to be in school, and I was just, I guess, a bit naive. Like, I. Life was very simple for me back then. It was just training and <laughs> just train, spend time with my friends in school. Yeah, so kind of I would say I was a bit blissfully unaware. Uh, just very excited to run and to compete. Yeah, that's how that's the person I was back then. And also kind of finding my way to like truly feeling like who I was as a person. Yeah. You know, when you say blissfully unaware, I guess moving on to the next stage of life after like four, yeah. I suppose that the next phase. What did you become more aware of then as you became older, and what was life like? Let's talk a bit about now. Yeah, A division time. So actually, I would say I kind of carried the same mentality over to my JC one year, and I would say when I look back now, JC one was probably like the best year for me for my track and field so far up to now, because I started. So there was that um, switch of events happened for me, and so I was supposed to be training for the 800 and 1005, but there was this one meet where after running both those events, my coach told me to run the 400 meters just to try it out, just to take it as training. So I just went for it, and surprisingly, I ran a very fast time. It was 50.1. So then it was like, okay, maybe we found uh, something here. Like you shouldn't have been able to run that that fast. So I ran at 400 again the next meet. And I ran 48.77. So, yeah, that was it's really out of nowhere. So, it was, I remember in JC1, all this was happening so quickly. Yeah, it was like I thought that I was doing well in training before that, but JC1 kind of took it to like the next level, kind of. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, this is huge because yeah. first you clock fast 500, 400 meter time for the yeah. first time, 50. Yeah. And then after that, you take a whole two seconds off. Yeah, 400 meter event, which yeah. is uh, a big deal. Can you re recall, or looking back, what was the reaction to, to that timing in fraternity? I think that 50.1 it was fast, but I didn't really like kind of blow me away because I know that the way that my training was is I had a lot of focus on my speed, so maybe it was only natural that you know, especially as an 800 meter runner, which is a lot of my focus was on that year. It's it's a good sign. It wasn't too unusual. It was good, but not unusually fast. It was okay. So the next meet that I had to run was the under 18, under 20 championships. Yeah, then I remember running the heats in the morning. I think it was in the morning and then finals in the evening. So I ran the heats in the morning and I was taking it easy. Like I started off fast and then I kind of eased off towards the end because I didn't want to spend way too much energy. Just wanted to qualify. Then when I found out the time was a 49.6, then that just kind of I was like, okay, I can definitely run faster than that. Like that was me not putting that much effort. So yeah, I don't know how it didn't looking back I think I was I did quite well to keep my composure also at that moment. 
not to get too excited, just to focus on the task ahead and you know, turn up for the finals in the evening. And I ran it a lot harder and it helped that it was a very close race. It was a really a lot of competition uh, that year with uh, Joshua Lim, who's my age, who's a 49 second runner, and Halbert, so who ran a 48-8 that race. So I was just chasing Halbert down and I was, again, I just beat him right at the very end. That's probably why I could run such a huge, like such a 48-7. Yeah, I was really out of blue. Yeah, my coach was surprised. Everyone was very surprised. Yeah, like it really. I, I remember someone telling to me like, why, why, like we thought that uh, like isn't the 800 meter enough? Why did you come down and take us in the four as well? Yeah. So, and then it made it even more shocking because I think it wasn't even the day before. Was it? it was to me the day after the competition. I think I was like. Bought to sleep, and I just randomly had a thought like, oh, I wonder what the world under 18 qualifying is for 400. So I checked it, and then it was 49.2. So, so I remember I just wasn't able to sleep after that. I was so excited because world under 18, I remember when I was like 14 or 15, I was thinking about it like, wow, imagine if I can actually make it that. But it was more of like a dream, it wasn't even like a goal, I would say. Because I was thinking, at that point, I was still very far away. So you didn't think it was really Yeah, I was just thinking like, it was a dream like, of mine that compete in the world events. Yeah, because that's really the you know, the pinnacle, right? So yeah. Once I uh, found out I'm actually going to World Under 18 Championships, then that just I think I was really happy at that point of time. <laughs> I was enjoying what I was doing every day, training hard and then seeing so much success. Yeah, so it just made it very easy to train. Yeah, I think my focus was even more shifted away from school because of all of that. Yeah, because that year also I had a lot of overseas competitions. This is your JC1. JC1, yeah. There was Southeast Asian youth, there was Asian youth, then I was training for World Youth, and then Sea Games after that. Yeah, so all in all, I think I missed about like a month of school. Yeah. And how, how did that strike you that you, know, you are doing very good times, you are going places, yeah. literally, yeah. with the overseas competitions? How how different were you from say even a year ago, a year before that? I would think that whatever confidence I had probably went up even more because now I'm actually in it. It's not even like a dream anymore. It was I was usually living, living the dream basically, you know, traveling and competing and all that. And, but I also feel like I, I was a bit, it made me more dismissive towards my school life. Yeah, and that's something actually I realized over the years as I was competing, especially when I was in school. Is that feeling of when you go for competition and then you have so much, it's like the time of your life where you are fellow athletes and you're competing, then you come back to school and then you're like in school the next day, then it's like this crushing reality. Yeah, I think that's something that I probably struggled to deal with. Yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about the sense of disconnect, I guess, yeah. unreality of coming back to school. Yeah, I think that's, that's exactly what it is. It was a bit of a disconnect. It's, uh, it's a huge sudden jump from competing in like Kenya and Japan, the next day you're in school, you're in class, like in a math lesson. So I think what I was thinking about was like, wow, like I've been through all this, but no one kind of understands. Of course my friends were happy for me and all that, but I know that truly no one was able to understand the share, like the emotions that I went through and all that. Yeah, so I kind of struggled to deal with that a bit. Yeah, I remember there was once actually, must have been when I was 16, one of the overseas competitions. Then I came back, then I told my teacher, like, I I can't remember what, but I think I, I just really didn't want to go to school. Yeah. 
So my track and field teacher was actually uh, understanding. And I think she actually wrote it and she actually got me like one or two days to like properly settle down after coming back from overseas before I went to school. Yeah, so I remember that. Yeah. So you come back from the overseas competition, surrounded by athletes, mm-hmm. surrounded by people in the sports industry, yeah. and you find yourself in the classroom with people concerned about something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. So that was challenging. It was, yeah. And especially in JC1, because it was uh, kind of like a brand new class. So JC1 is when the people from other schools would come in. But before that, my cohort is very small, so only 200 of us, and we all know each other quite well. So my friends knew me very well as like someone that but JC1 is kind of like a new set of people and the mentality was a bit different in the school so because you're preparing for A-levels so everyone was kind of just very narrow-minded to just focusing on A-levels yeah so I had always had the sense I don't know if it's true but I felt like my classmates were wondering like wow like it's my A-level year but why am I like uh, competing so much spending so much time in my training yeah I had the sense that people thought that way about me also was maybe it was just a mandate was it articulated? Were there any comments by anyone? Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, just, I don't remember the comments exactly now, yeah, but the feeling, the feeling was there, and then I think also the teachers did play a part, kind of play a part, because I think the teachers were more focused on the studies part of it, compared to my teachers that I had in secondary school, yeah, because, I mean, understandably, because it's such a huge thing that you're preparing for, so I guess I didn't really have that much, I think some of it is also self, um, put it on myself, kind of like in my head alienating myself a bit. Yeah, I remember feeling that way. Kind of like uh, But you feel that no one could appreciate yeah within your school setting yeah what you had just experienced. I think so. Yeah I think that's what I was feeling. Yeah. I definitely still have friends of course my track and field friends. Uh, my track and field teacher that I mentioned, Miss Michelle like she is also someone that was has basically been my mentor since I started track and field. Yeah, so there were people who did understand, but I guess when you have to spend a lot of time, most of my days is spent in like the class and the people that I didn't really click with. So I guess that's why I was feeling a bit uh, out of place. Yeah. So when you get that kind of reaction, trying to come back into a school setting, does that, how did you react to it? How did it encourage or discourage you to continue with your sport? I didn't really, it didn't, Changed what I thought about my sport because I was still 100% into it, especially that year, you know, because doing so well. So that was really the year I was training very, very hard. But I think it, it kind of pulled me off from studying, putting a lot of effort in my studies. Yeah, because I was still thinking, like, you know what, I can catch up last minute. Uh, it's, even though it's JC1, and I still have A level, I will still have my time next year to catch up. So I guess I was a bit more dismissive towards my studies. Kind of like because so much more fun to be training and competing overseas than to be in school. So I didn't really have like, I wasn't really fully hearted in studying yeah, in JC1. Yeah. What was motivating you to continue? Was it a particular senior athlete? Or was it just a personal goal? In track and at that point in time, JC1. I think, I think it's mostly self-driven. Yeah, I've always been someone that's more self self-driven. Like I, I find it hard to do things if I don't have my own motivation to do it. So it was really self-driven and just the lofty goals that I had. So having been at World Under 18 that year, next year was the World Under 20s. So that was my big aim. And then having run, uh, breaking the Under 18 40 meter record, 
that kind of told me that you know actually I'm not that far off from the national record. So all these kind of ambitions of mine, that was what was driving me. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think we were I was trying to understand uh, when you were at youth level and then moving to senior levels. Before you move at each major level, move from one level to another higher level. What are some of the things that strike you now as you look back? Were you expecting it to be easy or hard? What was, what was your experience like? Um, I think I remember thinking that one thing that I definitely miss being a youth athlete would be that whole national school game environment. Because it's, um, it's really quite an amazing period. Like every year, I'm always looking forward to that period because all the schools gather there and it's just such a as an athlete that I trained for, you know, that's really the highlight of my year, basically. But I knew that when I go towards senior level, it probably wouldn't be such a, like an event. Maybe I would still go for like major games, but it wouldn't feel the same. You, know? you don't have that camaraderie with your other school athletes. You, know? you don't have your friends coming out to support you. So that was something that I was thinking I would miss a lot. And I do miss it still, now that I'm a senior athlete. Certainly, it's a bit, I would say it's a bit more lonelier being a senior athlete. Because there's, simply because there's fewer of us, not many of us are uh, training together, you know, so then there's also your other work commitments in life, like work and study. So it can be a bit more lonelier at times being a senior compared to youth athlete when there's like structured training. You have a, uh, I mean, for most people there will be like a school training group, there's a regular schedule. So that schedule actually is uh, kind of makes it less lonely, I would say. Like you always have your own team around you. Yeah, that's one, that one thing that was a transition from youth to senior athletes. And other than that, so I think as a senior athlete, there's maybe a bit more pressure, maybe a different kind of pressure. Uh, senior, maybe as a youth athlete, you're kind of more, uh, you want to do well for your school, maybe there's some pressure from your school to do well. But as a senior athlete, did you feel a lot of pressure from your school? No, I, I didn't. Because, which I really have to be thankful for also. Because my school really saw my long-term uh, future and they prioritize prioritize that over my short term success. So they really give me ample room to you know no one really pushed me to say that I have to hit a certain timing or anything like that. They were all just making sure I was okay and there was like genuine concern just over my welfare. Like I mentioned my teacher and the other teachers in my um, track team as well, they really were looking ahead at my future. And kind of yeah, especially that uh, Miss Michelle Eng, she was kind of like, we always say that she's like my second mother. Yeah, because even when I was uh, 14, 15 years old, a lot of the lessons that I keep keeping me now, it's like I, I've learned it from her. Yeah, so maybe just going back a bit, the story is like, I think it was uh, SEC 2. So actually before I competed in that cross-country race, I was, there was this NGC track meet. Yeah, so it was a track meet just within our school. And I was running the 1005. And then it was, actually that was my proper first race like maybe it wasn't so competitive but so I ran it and of course within the school I was uh, I won the race and I won it by quite a bit and I remember uh, all my friends were like gathered at the finish line and then they kind of like put their hands out and then I was like tapping their hands as I finish and then obviously that doesn't look very sportsman like when you do that and then right after the race she scolded me quite badly and she told me you know like no matter how how good you are if you you're not humble, no one's going to like have that. You, know, you always have that like a solid foundation. And I think I just from that on 
from that point onwards, I just made it a point to like always be aware that I'm not coming off as being arrogant, especially when I compete. You know, so really up to now, that lesson I still like keep. Um, yeah. So I guess in that way, my school was more concerned with my holistic. Uh, me developing as a holistically rather than just for trying to feel. So whenever there's a point where they felt like, you know, it might be too much for me, like for example when I went for Sea Games, and it was already like I missed so much of school already. So they actually you know were telling me, you know, maybe it's better to not run the individual, run the relay, which I'm thankful for because it would have been a bit too much for me. Like I only I already barely managed to script through that year. This is so, JC JC one one, yeah. This would have been twenty 17, 27. Yeah. So I, I think when you <coughs> talk about missing and the larger community you had, um, one of the things you do miss is the whole community around you when yeah. you were in school. Yeah. The lack of the, the NSG as you become a senior athlete. What community then did you uh, find yourself in as you left the school scene? transition into a senior athlete, how did you find the community to support So I think my track community now will be mostly the other national athletes that I see almost day to day at the track we train. So yeah, these are people that I'm very thankful for also because without them it wouldn't be so enjoyable to come down every day and train. Because now, especially now when I'm a bit more self-coached, it's more self-organized, uh, self I don't really have a fixed schedule for my training. So having people there actually you know these are people that truly understand what it's like they they go through the same struggles as me the same injuries and all that so definitely can take a lot of solace when i'm talking to them and uh, yeah so this i would say this is my community now and of course i'm still uh, in close contact with my my school community so i'm actually back there now as a coach there's always something i wanted to do you know to give back to the cca that actually helped me so much yeah. so i would say this these are my Okay, this is going to take you back again to when you're 15. How would you describe your identity as a person when you're 15? Uh, off the top of your head. Yeah, kind of like what I described earlier. This is someone that's very uh, naive to everything, just really just full of life. Like, really wanted to just run and uh, look very active. Yeah. Even if, even after training, like five, six times a week, I still had energy to like want to play football during recess. So yeah, just yeah, that was just it. And then how did that identity change, say when you hit eighteen? Yeah, so it by eighteen I think I also had my first experience with an injury. So I think that kind of changed my identity a bit. Even like after that full year of success in JC one, in JC two when I had a quite a bad hamstring there. Then that was also another reality check, like how quickly that um, everything kind of changed that routine was lost. So it made me into more, um, I would say I was, during that period, 17, 18 years old, I was a bit more reserved. I was, um, yeah, I was a bit more reserved. I, was, I would say I was um, struggling a bit, definitely with my mental health, having, when I missed that injury. Yeah, and I did, I, I wouldn't say my, I always knew that my, my talent is still there. Like, it's not that I completely lost it or anything, but I was just feeling very down a bit what's going on, a bit lost. Yeah, so, let's spend a little bit of time yeah. talking about the hamstring injury. That was your, that was your first serious yeah. injury. 
it threw you off quite a bit. Brought up issues of mental health. Yeah. You want to share a bit about what it was like as you got that injury and what, what did it do to you? Yeah, because I think that year, having such, such, uh, got so much success the year before, so naturally this year I had even bigger goals. So I wanted to break the national record and I wanted to qualify for the world under 20, which was all within, well within my reach. And training was going really well. So the earlier parts of the season, I was training, I was, my times were improving a lot. And it was all looking good. But then it was just this one session when, in January that year. So quite early on, I only had a chance to run one race. Yeah, so I remember I was doing a, a fast 150 meters on the curve. And then just coming out of the curve, I felt like a, something, it kind of felt like a rubber band, a huge rubber band hitting my hamstring. That's how it kind of felt like. So. It was, a, it was a hamstring tear, like it was a grade 2 hamstring tear. And um, so, I think the first reaction for me was I just wanted to recover as soon as possible. You so felt the pain? Did you hear anything? I didn't hear anything, thankfully, but I definitely felt it. Couldn't really walk properly the next few days. And so, I, I would say I didn't really give myself much time to kind of uh, sit down, take a, like a break, and kind of uh, be a bit more at ease with what happened. So I was just rushed straight into like trying to recover. So I was like going from physio to physio, trying out different treatments because I really wanted to get back as soon as possible. I was doing like pool training and everything. So I didn't really give my, my mind a rest yeah, that first half of the year. So I managed to like, uh, my main aim was now just to at least make it for the national schools. How, yeah. how would you describe yourself? Were you optimistic, pessimistic during the period when you were trying to come back? I would say it's still optimistic, yeah, because I still had that same intensity, like I still really wanted, the whatever intensity I had for my training, I just now was into my recovery, yeah, so be it like doing pool sessions, so I remember my coach, it would just be me and my coach at the pool, and then kind of like, because when you run, you kind of an oxygen depth, to, to like mimic that, I would do like running underwater while holding my breath, so it was very painful, like every time you come out, you have like a headache, yeah, so I was still training very hard, trying to maintain my fitness, hoping that at least I can still make it for the National School Games in April, which I still did in the end, but I only ran the 4x400. So of course it was a bit of a, like a FOMO kind of feeling, like I saw that everyone was competing and then you know, this could have been, could have, should have been me also competing with them. So that was a bit of a, I mean it did, it did make me a bit sad, but I wouldn't say at that point, the first half of the year, I wasn't so so you wanted to take part in the National School Games because that was your last year, last year yeah. in the A Division. Yeah, and I felt bad also because my school finally had quite a good uh, A Division team for the 4x4. And we managed to get fourth in the end. But yeah, looking back, like, I was also a bit upset that you know if I had run to my full ability, we could have got even a better placing. Yeah, so that was what was kind of driving me on. It didn't give me much time to think about maybe I should like, take a break and take care of my mental health first. Yeah. And also during this period was especially when I showed even less interest in school, even though it was my A-level year. But because I just, my entire mind was just consumed about this injury and trying to recover. So when I went to school, I guess I wasn't really myself. I didn't really pay attention much in class and all that. I was still thinking like, I mind, you know what, I'll, I'll just put in a lot of effort at the end of the year and I'll catch up. Yeah. Also because for the first, the one race that I did manage to run, I actually qualified for the Asian Juniors that year. Which when I look back and I remember that 
when I was 16 years old, I was thinking like this Asian Juniors is when I'm gonna actually get a medal. And now I knew it was a bit, there was a lesser chance of that. Yeah. Because of the Yeah, I still did go for the Asian Juniors, and but I couldn't, I couldn't run to my best ability. Like, I, at least I'm happy that I at least managed to compete. But of course, I only managed to run like 50 seconds, which is definitely far off what I, from, from being able to run 47 to 50 is a huge, uh, huge decline. But, so, uh, yeah. how, how did that quarter result? Affect um, I, I think I, I kind of came to terms with the fact that I would run a bit slower there. Yeah. I was just happy to be in that, that environment again because at least I was able to go for one um, overseas competition. It's something that you know, I always look forward to. And knowing that it's actually going to be my last one, my last overseas competition uh, as a schoolboy, yeah. it, it did make me a bit sad because, like I mentioned earlier, I thought this would be something that I was aiming for for like, it has been something I was aiming for for like 2-3 years before that. Yeah, but I did, I still enjoyed myself a lot because it was a very good team that I travelled with and we had a lot of fun. Yeah. So I wouldn't say that I look back on that very like upset. It's mostly just little memories of that trip. Yeah. So your hamstring held up enough for you to go Yeah. And then, National School Games out of the way. Yeah. The Asian Youth Junior, Junior out of the way. Then what happened after that? Yeah, then everything came crashing down basically after that. Because suddenly I didn't have to train anymore, there's nothing to train for. All I had to do was study. And then kind of that part of my mind that was keeping me occupied, just like there's nothing there anymore. And I was just left with the reality that I kind of wasted my last year as a schoolboy. Just didn't, I just it kinda of hit me like very hard. It didn't go well. And then now all I have to do for the next six months is my study and it was very overwhelming because I kind of knew that how much I had left to catch up. I left myself a, a lot to catch up on so it was a huge task ahead of me and I guess I kind of didn't have that energy like the mental energy again. So did it crash? Yeah it was, it was, it was crash or did you just, uh, just what happened? It's a bit confusing when I look back now but I just knew that I definitely went to like depression because I had no energy to go to school even when I was in school Yes, just mentally and physically, actually no energy. Didn't really want to be in class. Even if I was in class, I couldn't focus. If I tried to, so I couldn't focus. Couldn't really remember what was being taught in school. Yeah. So I was like skipping classes. I sometimes even skipping school. Like it was just that bad. Yeah, and I woke up, I just didn't didn't really have the motivation to go to school. Like, and skipping school is not something that you used to do. Right? No, never. Even even when I trained, it's not something I would do. I think at first also, I think a lot of it was too because as an athlete, kind of just push through everything. And I've never really experienced any, even before there's no injuries, not, not much hardship, I guess, in my athletics journey before this. So it was quite a new experience for me to have to deal with. Suddenly things not going well for me. And I think I was, at first I was just pushing through it again. Because yeah, I didn't want, I didn't even think that it was something as bad as like being depressed or anything like that. Yeah, it was only when I actually talked to my my girlfriend at that time. So she she herself had experienced going through this. So she told me that, you know, maybe you should speak to someone. Or you should at least tell, talk to your parents first. Yeah. So when she first suggested that to you, you were hearing this probably yeah. for the first time that you should go and talk to someone. Yeah. What was your reaction to that suggestion? I think I did listen to her because it did make sense. Like I knew that I was going through something, but I know was, this isn't how I usually am. Yeah. So I was willing to listen what she had to say and I did talk to my parents 
Yeah, so I told my mom. And yeah, I think after that it was I wouldn't say things got better after that, but that was at least the start of things getting better. The decision to talk to your parents, to your mom first, yeah, about what you were going through, was it a difficult one to make? Yeah, that definitely was difficult because like I said, I'm someone that I think other people also view me as someone that's capable because not just in track and field, but in my studies as well. You know, I've been, even with all my training, I've been coping so far. So, of course, I think my parents also, my mom probably didn't know that I was going to read because what I would do is I would usually just lock myself out of my room and she would think that I'm just studying, but actually I'm like just on the bed doing nothing, probably eating junk food, just having no energy to do anything. So, that was what I was up to. So, I think she was a bit surprised as well, but it definitely helped because my mom is such an understanding person. She never placed any like uh, pressure on me to do well, both in my track and my studies. You know, she just, uh, do you remember her reaction? Can you recall what was it about her, her reaction to what you shared that was helpful? I think, okay, to be honest, I, I guess it's a bit blurry when I look back that memory is a bit hazy of that period, but I, I know that she wasn't dismissive of it at all. Like, she genuinely just straight away wanted to support me. So that really helped. But she didn't she didn't like come at it with a mentality of like, oh we should just she didn't dismiss it as something that's not as serious as it is. Yeah. So she immediately was talking about what do you want to do, how do you want to make it better, you know, what can we do? So that's when I also decided to go and see a therapist. Um, yeah. Before that, um, what about your dad's reaction? Did you, did you speak to him personally about this or was it just him out to I think it's my mom because my, my dad is more of a, he's less vocal. Yeah, he's more of the 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 parent that does things like fixes things, fetches here and there. So he's he's not. I don't usually have like a lot of emotional talks with him. Yeah, it's usually with my mom. Yeah, but but my dad is just as understanding. Yeah, and so after I told my mom, we I think we did have some talks with my dad around as well about you know, how I'm feeling and what we can do from here. Yeah, so both of them, both my, my parents were very um, supportive. So if your dad doesn't vocalize, what, what was it about his action that you found that found him supportive? My my dad really just shows his love through the things he does. Like he just simple things, as in like the, the food he goes the I like that he buys for me, the the fact that he fetches me from here to there, even though it's I'm so tired from his work. I think through this, like he's never been much of a uh, talker, but he definitely shows his, his affection through that way. Yeah. So the decision was made to go seek help. Yeah. What happened? Like, so I went to the therapist, and uh, my mom came along the first time, I remember. Yeah, so she just to speak to my mom as well separately. And then that was really, I guess, the first time I've ever had such a even a counseling session. I don't think I've even been for like counseling before that or anything like that. So immediately I think it felt good to just vent out everything. And I remember the first thing that she kind of helped me to do was to structure my thoughts. Because at that point it was just a whirlwind of like so many different emotions. I didn't know what I was feeling. There were so many different things. So she kind of helped me structure it. And we looked at each issue like one by one. Which made it a, a bit less overwhelming. Yeah. So. I went for therapy sessions, like maybe every few weeks, yeah, and it definitely helped. There were times I even, I mean, I'm not someone that also cries a lot, but I, I remember crying a few of the therapy sessions, which 
god it's like a very new thing for me because even when I was going through all that I never even like kind of broke down yeah just kind of, kind of kept it all in yeah. do you recall what was it about the session that made you cry not really actually I don't recall yeah uh, but I remember also my girlfriend at the time also she was very because she saw the same therapist before so she was definitely someone that understood everything I was going through so she was someone that I could actually I'm, I'm thankful for at that time because it could have if I I would have felt very alone in that journey even with my parents and all that but to have someone in school that knew what I was going through yeah that so you had a, a series of sessions and it was helpful to help you restructure how you yeah. thought of things you had parental support you had your girlfriend support how did the, the, the rest of the year play out with Actually, I would say I also had talked with my Miss Egg, the teacher I mentioned. So that was also something that helped me a lot because I think she noticed as well that mm-hmm. my grades were really, really horrible at that point. So she had a talk with me as well to find out what was going on. And when she found out, she actually, I remember what struck me most was actually she was, she herself was upset at that she didn't realize I was going through all this. So, I mean, she's just as excited as me whenever I run and whatever like struggles I face with my injury, she was also there with me. But she didn't really, I guess she, she herself and like the friends around me didn't think that I would be going through so much mentally. Yeah. So talking to her helped a lot because she I remember she shared her own experiences and knowing that now I only I also have the support from the teaching that from the teachers in my school. So. If, if at all, like I knew at that point really was the end of my as I was getting my A levels, I was still very far off, and it was gonna be I knew it was gonna be quite bad. Yeah. So at least I knew that there's some form of understanding. Like the teachers, especially her, who is very important to me, knows that I'm not doing this just because I was like stacking off. Oh yeah. So I also spoke to my friends. I think that's probably the last yeah the last group that I kind of had to talk to was my my, my closer friends in school. We were also very surprised that I was like hiding all this so well. Yeah, but talking to them also was another form of release. Yeah, because they were and it showed me that, you know, they are truly friends that support me a lot. Because they were so like concerned with everything and they really took the time to like, understand what was happening with me. So yeah. That that happened and then um, I would yeah, so I tried making plans to study. So it just it was just me. So even after the therapy sessions, I wouldn't say that it helped, like it completely healed me or anything like that. I was still very depressed, and I, I would, I think it was mostly I just had to get the A levels over and done before I could feel a lot better. Yeah, and I was I don't have, I mean, it's definitely not a time that I would say I look back fond upon because knowing that you're going to such a major exam, and then you're so like unprepared to the point where sometimes you, I'm just like sitting there at the exam hall really not knowing what to do. So it was, it was that bad and it's like the, I was thinking about how I used to be so capable of my studies and to like suddenly have that like fall from grace, it was quite a hard thing to accept. Yeah. So, yeah, I, but I already made, so through talking to my mom and all that, we kind of uh, came to the ultimatum, like, you know, even if I don't do well, which I knew I wasn't going to do well for these A-levels, I can still, there's still other options, I can still retake it. So knowing that actually there is option of still retaking the next year have made it a bit better. Uh, so I just got through the A-levels, sent through the papers, 
did what I could. It's very it's still it's really really bad. But um, then I was done and a bit of a relief. But also because I was going to NS the next month, so that was something that was. So at that stage when he knew that okay, A level was done, yeah. That pressure and the pain of studying is over. Yeah, some relief. But NS is coming up, and at that time, what were your thoughts around your sport? Yeah, so I I wouldn't say I felt actually yeah maybe I could say I, I kind of felt out of the way, but not because of I yeah the motivation kind of that I had that drive wasn't really there anymore. Mostly because I knew I was going to NS, no idea what's going to happen the next two years. Still having that injury, so it's like to me it was like maybe it's something that I have to consider in the future. Like I don't have the, it's not really something that I want. I can focus on right now, even if I wanted to. Don't really have the time to it either. Yeah, so it was a bit to the back burner. Like all that dreams that I had about track and field, kind of pushed aside a bit. I was just mostly thinking about just getting better, getting better. I remember when I got my enlistment letter, so I was very upset that I didn't get April. Because it's either January or April. And I mine was 5th January, so I was a bit like, like, oh, just wanted a break, you know, like, just wanted some time to uh, kind of settle down. But I was straight in, but looking back, it was actually a blessing in disguise. Yeah. It was, I'm happy that I actually got it done earlier. Yeah. And actually going to NS was a good, surprisingly a good change of pace. Yeah. It was like uh, it forced me to kind of like grab me out of the whole situation I was in and put me into a completely new situation. It's a whole different world, and that actually surprisingly helped me, like mental health wise, because it kind of left all my whatever was happening behind on the mainland, and I was just in the home, and then meeting new friends, and it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. So yeah, you must be one of the rare ones who said BMT made you feel happy. Yeah. No, while I was in it, but overall, I think at the end, it helped me. Yeah. So I guess what we'd like to do just this last part of it is just when you look back at some of the way you coped mm. as a student athlete. You guys talk about people who were in your support system. If you look back, how, who were in your support system? Who were the more important ones in your support system? Okay. Yeah. So. Um, I mentioned first and foremost my my parents and an extension my family as well my younger siblings. Of course, maybe they, they weren't very sure what's going on with me, but I mean they were still there for me. And yeah, so parents first of all, definitely would be my 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 track and field teacher. Uh, she was someone that really helped me a lot. Then uh, my girlfriend back then and my friends. So this probably this four groups of people were the main. And as a student athlete going through a very rigorous academic uh, system we have. Yeah. What was your relationship like with your parents? You know, as, as we all know, the parents sometimes can be quite concerned about yeah. children's uh, academic grades. Right. As a student athlete, you know, sometimes training up to it, six times a week in the UMP division. How did your parents react to, to you as a student athlete? Yeah, actually, it's a thing, because my, I think my I would say my parents are a bit more unusual in the way that they, right from the start, they always told me that no matter what, just do what makes you happy. That's the message they always tried to tell me. So, yeah, even before I was in track and field, they just made sure that their priority was never in me um, studying 
meeting a certain grade, there was never any pressure on that. So that definitely helped as a student athlete because I know that and maybe it's also because of the type of person I am, that I know I'm self-driven, so maybe I didn't need that extra push from my family. And maybe my, my parents knew that also, they knew that I always kind of had things sort of on in control, until it wasn't, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember my mom saying that maybe she felt a bit guilty that she didn't push me a bit harder, because she felt that uh, maybe if I had, if they had pushed me a bit harder, then you know I would have studied a bit harder, like, yeah. But, yeah. Or maybe because I'm the first child, so it's a bit of a trial and error. Yeah. So, so what do you think your parents did or said that made you encouraged you as a student? <clears throat> they, the main thing is that they showed as much importance to my track field as I did. They, they could see how much it, how important it was to me, and they didn't try and like play it down. They were just as like they saw the dreams that I have, and they were equally as excited for me to and achieve that. So I didn't feel like I was all alone in trying to have these like crazy ideas of what I want to be in the future. So they fully supported and also like when I was going through that <coughs> that turbulent period, they their mind wasn't even on the studying part of it, like the A levels, even though it's so important. They were just first and foremost concerned about my well being. So my mom straight away told me like don't even worry about like just focus on your own mental well being. Forget about the A levels. We'll deal with it next year. Yeah, there's always a way. If you, there's always a way like to fix things. Yeah. So that gave me a lot of encouragement and made me feel less overwhelmed. Yeah, at least I know that I always had my my parents were never going to be disappointed in me for what I was going through. Um, when it came down to competitions, when you look at some of the bigger competitions you went to, how did you cope with the mental pressure? Competitions. Um, <clears throat> what served you well? What about? Or what messed you up and you never did it again? <laughs> um, I think when I was in maybe my sec four year, I remember I was really trying to chase timings a lot. So every competition I was very like, okay, I need to hit this time, I need to do this. I was so focused and like on um, there on race day as well, I had everything like so planned out and I was kind of like shut off everyone, like put my ear my earphones on, trying to like focus, but it didn't it didn't work out for me because especially that year, like I think I ran wanted to break sub two minutes from eight hundred. But I must have ran two minutes flat like six times or seven times. Just keep missing it by many seconds. Yeah, it was so frustrating. I didn't even hit it that year. But the next year, it's actually because of one of my uh, friends, so it's, it's uh, Albert, the one I was racing with. And I remember there was this competition we were racing. And before the meet, he was just like having so much fun. Like, he was like running around, just like pulling around with his friends. And then he still ran such a good timing. Then I was thinking like, maybe I should just approach this completely differently. Maybe if I just stay as relaxed as possible, it might help me. So I actually tried that. I went into my races that year with like a different mentality. Like of just that all the hard work's done. I don't even, I'm just going to go there. And instead of like trying to force myself to zone out, I actually just decided to just keep talking to people around me. I just talked to my friends, just anything, thinking about anything but the race. And it actually clicked for me. Like, right when I started doing that, I started enjoying competitions a lot more. And yeah, just naturally I performed a lot better. So that was a kind of like the mental. I feel like every athlete has like something that works for them. Like, what works for me may not work for other people. So there's this like right amount of 
relaxation and tension to get that ideal uh, mindset. I think especially sports like track and field swimming, a lot of it is it's like your body against someone else's body. So it's, your mind is part of your body. It's, it's, it's not just your physical part of it. A lot of it is mental. So once I learned that, I managed to control my nerves and just, yeah, that really helped a lot. Then when I went for, like you mentioned, the major games, I, using that same mindset, I didn't actually get that much, I didn't feel that much pressure. Because I was there just truly enjoying myself. Like, like I made it I'm here, especially when I went for the World Under 18 Championships, which was like a dream come true. So I actually, surprisingly, was less nervous for that. Because I was happy enough being there. I was just grateful enough to be the chance that chance to be there. Like whatever I, however I performed to me was was uh, was less important than than what experience itself. Okay, yeah. I guess you know now from the vantage point of being twenty two this year. Yeah. Uh, maybe just as a last question, what do you think this whole student athlete experience yeah. has taught you? What skills do you think you have now? Yeah. Looking back doing this since sec one yeah. at a quite intense level. Almost uh, uh, ten, ten years. years. Yeah. I think probably the first and foremost is mental resilience. That one is I maybe I would have built it up in some other way if I wasn't doing track. But definitely because of track and field. And not just uh, because of the hardships I faced, but just the discipline that it took to kind of get myself to training every day to like push myself through all that pain, the mental pain and the, the physical pain is well it made, definitely made me a lot more resilient. I right now as a twenty two year old, even if I face certain as any obstacles that anyone would normally face, I don't take it too personally. I kind of learn over the years how to manage myself, both mentally and physically. So as a youth athlete I maybe I didn't really know how to take care of my body that well but Having that experience over the years kind of told, kind of made me understand my body better also. When I should be pushing myself, when I shouldn't. And mentally I kind of know when when to when I need to take a bit of a take a bit of a break from training. I kind of know better that uh, I'm not just like uh, I can't just put in hundred percent effort every day, just go at it every day. Yeah. And that same thing applies to my life as well, like when I study, you know, when I try and I say my relationships and all that, it kind of gives me that confidence and that I'm capable of managing myself. Yeah. So yeah, really too many things are yeah, also so mental resilience, knowing how to take care of yourself. Yeah. And also, uh, like like I touched on earlier, that self confidence. That as long as it doesn't go on to becoming overconfidence or like arrogance, like keep it within I think I've kind of learned to how to just keep it within myself, that self-esteem to kind of drive me into whatever I do, yeah. And I bought it for my track and field, yeah. Because, yeah. I may say so too, you also know when to ask for help. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So of course I've had other injuries and I'm not, I'm not like, yeah, I know when to ask for help when I'm feeling stressed, but also talking about like, the injury part of things, I know that uh, I don't take it too I would say, I know how I'm going to feel now. I kind of expect, okay, I'm going to feel a bit disappointed, but I know how to manage that feeling. Yeah. Okay, Thirubin, thanks for taking the time for the last hour and a half. Yeah, to unpack the student athlete journey you've taken. 
10 years is uh, quite a long time. Yeah. And we wish you all the best in the next stage of life. Uh, it was fine. Thank you. Thank you so much.